He resolved to compile this chronicle so that he should not be one of those who hold their peace, but should bear witness in favor of those plague-stricken people, so that some mention of the injustices and outrage done them might endure, and to state quite simply that we learn in a time of pestilence that there are more things to admire in men than to despise. Hey, welcome everybody to the House of Mercy podcast. We're glad you're listening in this time of pestilence um, and hope you're doing okay. Where are you at, Russell? Uh, well, I am. Uh, I finally got out of the basement because uh, with this, with the sun, when the sun's shining, I can't get myself down to that basement to where I've been working. So I moved back up to the living room, dining room table. Um, my apologies to Jeannie, my family, but I'm up here now with the sunshine, and uh, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. Go see him outside today. So, so where are you again? I'm in Kokomo, Indiana. Oh wow! And how is yeah. how is it seeing your dad? That's nice that you're able to visit him. Yeah, it's great. So that's good. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Well, did you have some one one other thing to say? Just welcome to everyone listening. Yeah, we're glad that you're here. I don't know how you found us or. Glad that you found us. Maybe uh, this is your first time here in this, or uh, maybe you've been with us a long time, but we're sure glad uh, glad for this community in any way that we can kind of be uh, the Mercy community together. Also, uh, you know, we want to thank all the people in the Mercy community. I didn't plan that segue. It just came naturally. There was people who give and support the House of Mercy in the community. Thank you for all of you who pledge and support regularly. And I'll be looking for this week um, an update on your giving coming in your email. And also those people, those of you all who are just listening, and if you're not a regular giver, it sure would be great. You can just go to our website, houseofmercy.org, and, you know, give us five, 20 bucks uh, if you like what you're hearing. Um, You can find that give uh, button there and uh, and give to the House of Mercy. So we sure appreciate that. You sure would. And okay, another great thing we got going on is the shut in sessions. Uh, just another way to be the House of Mercy during these times, uh, daily or almost daily anyway. There's an opportunity to hear some great musicians from the community, our community, and the broader community, and a prayer and just a way to make a connection. And I heard there's a really great one coming up on Tuesday with the Mercy Machine, and we're going to have songs from Amy. Denise and Eloise, and Denise, with Denise's song, there is actually a coloring book that comes with that song that you'll be able to go to the House of Mercy website and click on a link to get that coloring book. Is that right, Russell? Did I get that right? I mean, it's all speculative at this point, but I think by the time that comes out on Tuesday, some way of providing you that coloring book, which is fantastic, go with Denise's song, will be available. So, yeah. Okay, speculation, that's kind of what we're about these days in this world. Absolutely. Well, um, then let's, uh, let's put it in gear, and uh, let's, uh, let's get going. Let out the cu- clutch. Okay, I'm done with my transmission metaphors. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it.
God of mercy. We need to see the light at the end of the tunnel or a little one flickering on the periphery. We need to know you are with us, even if we don't know a thing. We pray for your presence to swell up around us and bring us joy, or even just brush by us and remind us there is infinite love out there somewhere. Open us to receive it. Amen. Won't you please rise and join with us in singing I'm Gonna Sing, number 36, by Hank Williams. God of mercy, give parents and students and teachers trying to navigate learning from home mercy for each other, for themselves, assurance that the moment always passes, confidence that we can learn from almost anything. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, thank you for the many good days we've enjoyed. The green grass, the guitar, good conversations, the violin. Help us hobble through the days where the bad seems to outweigh the good. For people suffering in hospitals alone. For people dying there alone. It's hard to know what to ask for. Morphine, some comfort for people in the moment of death. We pray that you make yourself known as love. We pray for healthcare workers who are exhausted, afraid, and valiant. And for the many of us who are getting through the days fairly well, without going to the hospital 
We're running out of food. We pray that we will be filled with loving kindness, aware of the people who need us. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Today's reading comes from selected verses in the plague narrative from the book of Exodus. I will be reading Exodus 5, 1 and 2, 7, 1 through 5, and chapter 10, verses 21 through 29. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites." And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt, darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go, worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. But Moses said, You must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock, too, must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God, and until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The plagues. I know it's a bit on the nose, maybe, preaching on the biblical plagues of Egypt, and then an opening reading from Camus. But it's what came up in our lectionary. I'm not trying to pick and choose. And if I were, I would not choose to preach on the plagues, especially in the middle of one. I mean, people say, write what you know, but it's a lot. Even if it weren't in pandemic time, the biblical plagues are problematic in so many ways. Right off the top, from a plain reading of the text, it's the story of God trying to convince a wicked emperor to free his enslaved people by ten increasingly devastating acts of mass torture, which culminate in the Lord killing all the Egyptian firstborn children and animals. But of course, I'm not reading this literally. It's not just this story of an epic conflict between God's power and Pharaoh's power, but it's an epic story 
of the kingdom of God in conflict with the kingdom of the world. It's the narrative of the creator versus the narrative of the way the world works. I'm interacting with it as a story in the holy book of our people, which raises questions about our understanding of God and our relationship to the creator and to each other and what it means to be human, desiring to live out the narrative of creation in tension with the narrative of the empire. But, you know, like in the same way that the plague by Camus is not really about the plague, but it's about the human condition and how humans regard each other in times of suffering, the absurdity of life and the inevitability of death and fun stuff. But at the same time, I don't want to just take this as a, a theological, anthropological text. I, I, and the same, because I, I need to confess that it's not really a story about my people being freed from slavery by God. Therefore, I don't want to discount the plain meaning of the text for others. It would be like me saying, I really find the American slave narratives meaningful, but I would like to treat them more as uh, metaphorical than literal narratives. Yeah, I know there are a lot of problems with that correlation as well. I said this is very problematic. Furthermore, to preach on the plagues is not... Well, hardly possible in one sermon. It's too much. It's too much. The story in the book of Exodus is 12 chapters long, chapter 3 through chapter 15. So I kind of have to, like, pick a plague to preach on. So I guess I just read through them and find one that speaks to me. Pick the plague that, really fe that I'm really feeling today. Like the plague of frogs. Does that jump out? Or river turned to blood? It's, it's got a lot to it. Maybe too much. The plague of lice? Maybe too little. Locust? Classic plague stuff. But I did find one. Darkness. Maybe this is not surprising to you. The plague of darkness. Feels right. I know finally spring is in the air. The sun is shining. And the trees are starting to bud. There's birds singing. Shoots are shooting out of the ground all over the place. But I feel the darkness. The scripture reads, The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, so there may be a darkness over the land of Egypt, sweeping across the land, a darkness that can be felt. A darkness that can be felt. And it feels like it is sweeping across the land from city to city, town to town, as prolifically as the coronavirus. It, and it's not a darkness that comes from being stuck in my house for two months, although I'm going a little stir-crazy and not making the healthiest choices when it comes to food and drink and exercise. And it's not a darkness that comes from not seeing friends and neighbors in the whole House of Mercy community, which does help keep me sane, even in non-COVID times. It is maybe a little bit this instinct adopted so quickly to view other people as a threat of possible contamination. I've come around the corner at the grocery store or while on a walk, 
and looked up to find another person directly in front of me and stopped in my tracks, startled, caught up short, and only barely quelling my reptilian brain from sending me running down the street or the cheese aisle like a maniac sucking desperate breaths through my paisley print mask. But then I see that same look in the expression of my would-be attacker, and we both take a breath and smile, which these days is seen as cheeks rising from beneath the mask, and giving each other a wide berth, we move on. That's what is keeping me from, that is what keeps it from coaxing the darkness forward, that bit of humanity at the end, that realization, the part where we both overcome our instinct to fear, the mammalian jolt to strike or flee, it stands down when we recognize that it's not a beast we're confronting, but a fellow in a mask made from old rocket ship pajamas, perhaps, and yellow latex dishwashing gloves, trying like me to negotiate our strange new reality without fogging up their glasses. The darkness, I think, comes when I cannot sense the smile behind the mask, when I don't see slight self-deprecating nods that acknowledge, yes, it's an odd and somewhat absurd situation to find ourselves in, and my reaction was a little over the top, so have a good day, be safe. When I see instead, when I sense, maybe, menace, intentional or seemingly intentional aggression or hatred, is that too strong? or disregard for anyone else, or what I guess I'm really wanting to say is like just plain old meanness, just folks being outright mean to other folks in, in a time of real suffering and crisis. Truthfully, I don't encounter this on walks or at the grocery store too much or at the gas station. Well, the gas station always has a little edge to it, but primarily the meanness the plague of darkness comes from comes for me in the mediated reality, which is a lot of what we're left with. When I read the paper, go online, watch the news, the darkness spills out. When I read that Mitch McConnell holds up federal aid that will benefit communities in need until he gets a guarantee that corporations will be protected, when I see the vice president maskless at the Mayo Clinic in violation of the Mayo stated policy, watching armed protesters claim that the state stay-at-home orders are government overreach, a violation of their constitutional rights. Sorry. I'm moving forward towards full rant mode. But that is the darkness that seeps inside me. I get so sad when I see how many people are suffering, how many people are still dying. And then I get so, well, mad when I hear about people who don't seem to care, who yell and scream about their own rights with no regard to others, to the us, to the community, with no understanding of the ways in which they are acting against their own self-interest. Well, sorry. <laughs> it's really hard to get out of ramp mode. That darkness seeps in. 
or seeps out of my laptop, out of my television, my phone, runs off the pages of the newspaper, runs out into the street and fills up the neighborhood. A low-level cloud layer of anger and fear and sadness. And it gets me saying things like, what is wrong with these people? How could anyone be that stupid? Back at the grocery store, in line, in front of me, and seemingly with no idea of how much six feet is, I see a couple who I judge to be from the suburbs because I'm just mental. And I've been breathing the darkness. A couple without masks or gloves. And I'm incensed. I look around for folks who might join me in my exasperation or judgment. I want to ask this couple, what are you, is this a political statement? Or do you just not care about like any other people? <laughs> Sorry, I, uh, I can't really get out of the rant. Okay, I'll read the text. When the Lord is first instructing Moses to go to Pharaoh and demand that he free his people, and when Pharaoh refuses, the Lord says, Tell him, when Pharaoh does not listen to you, that I will lay my hand upon Egypt and bring my people, the Israelites, company by company, out of the land of Egypt by great acts. This term, company by company, can also be translated battalion by battalion. It's a military term. God is saying, I will lead my army, the Lord's army, out of the mighty empire of Egypt. This is like, <laughs> this is a self-deprecation found in the guise of an imperious demand. It's God's practical satire. Because this army that God talks about, the Lord's army, these battalions and battalions are made up not of soldiers and warriors, but of slaves, weakened by lack of food and poor condition. The army of the Lord does not march, but limps. Pharaoh would have found this the funniest of anyone. But in the end, this image is repeated after this long narrative. This image is repeated as the people are leaving Pharaoh and Egypt for freedom, the text reports that there were 6,000 men on foot. This is a military phrase again. It's a report of the size of the army. It's harkening back to that battalion. This is the number of the battalions. It is the Lord's army that triumphs. The Lord's army that's made not of soldiers or warriors, but is without weapons, but is no longer enslaved by the darkness, has found that way of the Creator. They're walking out of the empire, following another narrative, one of mercy, not of power, not of fear, a company of soldiers. It's not a company of soldiers, but of folks moving towards freedom together. I want to go with them.
On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. We invite you to share communion during the hymn. Won't you please join us in singing House of Mercy, hymn number 24, Amazing Grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm.